do not consider self-harm to try and achieve an NDE. Welcome, friends and family. It's good to have you here. I'm here with Lilith and Castiel, the best dogs someone could ask for. They will be my co-host for today as we venture into NDEs. Later on, we're going to hear about Danny and Brinkley, someone who has had four near-death experiences, and one of them was made into a movie. Now, for those of you who don't know what an NDE is, it's a near-death experience. I brought the subject up briefly in the trailer and figured it was best to start here as they are what inspired me to start this podcast. We'll also dabble a bit on the scientific research of NDEs as well. So there are actually multiple types of NDEs that people have been quoted having. Today, we're going to be covering the good, bad, and ugly side of NDEs through the experiences of others. Now, in the future, we will be having episodes where I will narrate other people's experiences with NDEs, spirit, the supernatural, and I am extremely excited for those, but we must walk before we run. So let's get started. Now, the wiki definition states an NDE is a profound personal experience associated with death or impending death, which researchers claim share similar characteristics. When positive, such experiences may encompass a variety of sensations, including detachment from the body, feelings of levitation, total serenity, security, warmth, and the experience of absolute dissolution and the presence of light. When negative, such experiences may include sensations of anguish and distress. According to psychiatrist Peter Fenwick, who's been studying the subject for many years, says that NDEs don't necessarily have to be from death or impending death situations. Sometimes they're just brought on by immeasurable fear, intense crisis, and sometimes it's just spontaneous. But the common, not so common, according to Dr. Fenwick, agreement is thought to be when these experiences have a number of features that fall in line with the Grayson questionnaire created by Bruce Grayson. Dr. Fenwick is basically saying the closest way to assess if one has had an NDE is to go through the questionnaire and to score at least a seven. I will post the full questionnaire on Twitter, but essentially the questions are like, did time seem to speed up or slow down? Another one is, did you feel separated from your body? I myself have never experienced this phenomenon. I want to make that clear. And I think that's why it interests me so much learning about others' experiences with it. I've searched the internet high and low, devouring all of the stories I could find, yet my hunger still isn't satisfied. While looking up stories, I noticed that rarely were there ever many stories about the negative dark encounters that some people have had. Throughout history, there have been multiple reports of people having impossible experiences when faced with death. Quite literally impossible. That being said, not everyone's experience is the same. Some mediums say that if we have a near-death experience, we see whatever we bring with us. For example, if a devout Christian who believes in heaven and hell, the devil, sin, all that, past feeling thoughts of regret and fear, there's a chance they're going to see what they believe is hell. A five-year-old may see a wizard and a big castle filled with light. But let's talk about the big R word, resuscitation. Dr. Sam Parnia, the director of resuscitation research at Stony Brook University of Medicine in the U.S., 
was in charge of the largest study to date on resurrected patients in an attempt to try and unravel the mental and cognitive experience of dying. He's interviewed over 100 people who've been brought back to life after suffering cardiac arrest. Nearly half of them had a story to tell. Parnia grouped the memories into seven broad groups to prove dying is more diverse than we've previously imagined. Those groups are fear, seeing animals or plants, bright light, violence and persecution, deja vu, seeing family, recalling events post-cardiac arrest. I'm not going to lie, that last one, recalling events post-cardiac arrest, seems wild. I believe the brain is still active up to seven minutes once the heart stops, but some people were gone up to 20, 30 minutes, if not more. I think one of them was 40 minutes. Point is, they were not conscious, so how could someone that is in that state be able to know that his doctor stepped out of the room to cry, or that the nurses outside in the lobby were talking about lunch? Some say that they feel themselves pulled out from their physical bodies and are floating, watching themselves on the operating table. This goes to the group that we just talked about, recalling events post-cardiac arrest. According to the National Center of Biotechnology Information, there are three types of distressing NDEs, inverse, void, hellish. Let's dive deeper into those. To best explain an inverse NDE, we'll tell the story of Bob. Bob was thrown from his horse and found himself floating above the tree lines along the forest where he was riding. He watched emergency medical tech work on his body. He said he was screaming, no, no, this isn't right. Put me back. But they didn't hear him. Next, he was shooting through darkness towards a bright light, flashing past shadowy figures who seemed to be deceased family members waiting. He was panic-stricken by the bizarre scenario and his inability to affect what was happening. And that I can understand. Like, just imagine losing all control of your being and being forced to go somewhere you don't know. Let's move on to the next one, The Void. The article Distressing Near-Death Experiences, The Basics, by Bush and Grayson, gives the definition that the void in DE is an ontological, I hope I'm saying that right, encounter with a perceived past emptiness. Often devastating scenarios of aloneness, isolation, sometimes annihilation. A man Will called Doug was attacked by a hitchhiker and felt himself rise out of his body. He quotes, I suddenly was surrounded by total blackness, floating in nothing but black space, with no up, no down, left or right, what seemed like an eternity went by. I fully lived it in this misery. I was only allowed to think and reflect, which sounds a lot like a timeout. See, this type of NDE kind of freaks me out the most because of the nothingness aspect. It's not like sleep necessarily because you're completely aware of what's happening. Granted, there's one more type of NDE I haven't gotten to yet, so maybe the void isn't really the worst. Last, but certainly not least, is the hellish NDE. It's the least common, but seems to be the most terrifying. Typically, those who experience this type of NDE, they come from a religious background. An example of this type comes from a woman who hemorrhaged from a ruptured fallopian tube. She witnessed, and I quote, horrific beans with gray gelatinous appendages grasping and clawing at her. The sounds of their guttural moaning and the indescribable stench still remains 41 years later. There was no being of light, no life video, 
which is often referred to as a life review. Nothing beautiful or pleasant. From my research, a lot of these cases that have been spoken about are overwhelmingly positive, but we also have to take into account the cases that haven't been publicized, because I'm sure there's people out there that just didn't want to talk about it. Now, I want to suggest a show that I just saw on Netflix called Surviving Death. The show explores what it means to die and if death is really the end. They bring evidence and firsthand encounters to the table. It's about six, I think it's six episodes long, with each one being about an hour. It starts out with an episode about NDEs, actually. Within minutes, you're into the story of Dr. Mary Neal, MD. If you've ever looked up NDEs before, you know exactly who I'm talking about. She's been very vocal about her experience, hoping to bring awareness to these possibilities, especially to the scientific community, for obvious reasons. Neil was found lifeless after going over a waterfall in Chile. She goes in to explain how she was submerged under 10 feet of water. Drowning, she could feel her bones breaking. She quotes, I knew it was not going to be good. Obviously, girl. Surprisingly, she wasn't in any pain or discomfort. Instead, she felt no pain, no panic, no fear, just peace. She said she felt more alive than she had ever felt. She felt her soul being lifted out of her body and towards the light. She was greeted by people, spirits, beings she didn't recognize, but knew she was connected to, like grandparents that had passed before she was born. They were ecstatic to greet her. She felt that. She was led down a path covered with flowers that had a beautiful aroma. Thousands of flowers were everywhere that were exploding with every color of the universe. Like so many others that have shared their NDEs, Mary found herself experiencing a shift in time and dimension. She believed she was experiencing all of eternity at once. She could even see the moment her body was pulled from the river. It was purple, bloody, and bruised. She was dead. She'd been without oxygen for at least 30 minutes as well. Through lots of healing, she survived and has gone on to tell her story to the masses. So now that we've covered what NDEs are and a few of the different types, let's get to the good stuff. The stories. Obviously, there were a couple tidbits before, but this one, it's... (laughs) It's pretty eye-opening. So, let's begin. I do have to warn you, this story has talk of killing an animal. It's from Reddit. I changed the names for privacy reasons. Mike Jensen was a high school English teacher living in Heston, Kansas in 1998. He lived an average life with a wife and two kids in a suburban neighborhood. One day when he got home from work, he walked through the front door of his home and into the living room where he found the family dog, Scout, had been fatally shot. Before he could act, two bullets were in his chest from a robber that stood in the kitchen. Mike fell to the ground, unable to move as he bled out on the floor. He said he felt scared and unable to move as he felt the blood leave his body. But soon the feeling changed to one of warmth and peace. Then he stood by his body's feet, looking at the scene before him. He was dying. But there was an overwhelming feeling of tranquility. Then his mother and little brother appeared before him. 
his brother still only in a nine-year-old's body as he had been when he died after being hit by a drunk driver, looked ecstatic to see him. His mother, who passed at the age of 74 from cancer, now looked to be in her late 20s, healthy as ever. Both glowed with pure joy and love, he said. His little brother smiled brightly and said, Hey, cheese, a nickname James, the little brother, had given to Mike because of his love for the dairy product. Lisa, Mike's mother, stepped forward to hug her son. When she did, it didn't feel like the hugs he'd had in his physical body. Instead, they felt closer. Behind her was the back door, which glowed a light like he had never seen before. It was filled with whites, yellows, and oranges that sparked comfort. His little brother James grabbed his right hand and they glided towards the light. Mike obviously thought it was amazing. Beyond the light was the lake his grandparents lived on. The sky was a bright blue and the trees were lush. The colors all glowed slightly and were heavily saturated. His family would go visit their grandparents every summer, and it was his favorite part of the year. This place was where he always felt safest and at home. His father was in the military, so they moved around a lot. So this was always a constant, basically. Next to the lake stood both of his grandparents and Scout, happy to see him. A pebbled path led to them, lined with flowers that looked out of place but beautiful all the same. They looked like sunset, different colors and shades of what seemed like daisies. Mike embraced both of his grandparents. No words were said, but he felt the feeling of pure love and being home. They pulled away and turned towards the lake. Next, flashes of his life were displayed in front of him. Everything. Like when he cheated on his 10th grade math test or stole a candy bar. He saw the day he graduated college, met his wife, got married, and when both of his sons were born. That was when his mom placed her hand on his cheek and said, You can't stay, baby. She said with nothing but happiness in her eyes. He said, But why? Mike had never felt so at peace. He didn't want this feeling to go. She replied, They need you. We won't be far. He looked at all the smiling faces and pet Scout once more. Mike knew his family needed him. The door of light returned, and he knew it was time. James walked with him towards the door and gave him one last hug. Next, he woke up to the sound of beeping and white noise. He was in the hospital hooked up to machines. A neighbor had noticed the robber leaving with Mike's car and called the police. He had to be life-flighted to the hospital and flatlined on the operating table for 10 minutes. Thankfully, doctors were able to restart his heart. After that, he woke up two days later to learn about everything that had happened once he'd crossed over. Doctors saw him as a miracle. Mike said the only reason he survived was because he still had stuff to do and that he never felt closer to his family on the other side. Mike is in his 50s now and healthy as a horse. Every so often, he gets a sign that someone is visiting from the other side. He can feel them. Sometimes he'll smell his mother's perfume or a light will start flickering without warning. He knows it's them just dropping by to say hi. Before all of this, Mike was the kind of man that had to see it to believe it. 
a self-proclaimed realist, but but this was obviously a life-changing experience. There's also the infamous Danny and Brinkley, a man who's gone through four near-death experiences. He's been extremely outspoken about those experiences and his spirituality. He's written multiple bestsellers, such as Saved by the Light, which was published in 1994. It later became a TV movie in 1995. It describes his first NDE, which happened in 1975, when Brinkley was just 25 years old. He describes himself as being a narcissistic egomaniac, just all around not a great person, that was serving in the Marine Corps for various programs. He wasn't exactly a religious man at all. If anything, he felt more like he was the center of the universe and untouchable. It was essentially that level of toxic masculinity, I'm sure you can imagine. One particular evening in 1975, Brinkley was talking to one of his friends, Tom, on the phone. Now keep in mind, this was obviously before cell phones and pagers. It was back when we had these things called landlines. I know some of you have used them before. Anyway, lightning struck a phone pole and it traveled through the phone line and shot Brinkley in the head above his ear. He felt the current go down his spine and into the heels of his feet, welding them to the nails in the floor. Yes, you heard that right. The power behind this bolt of lightning literally welded his feet to the nails in the floor. He would have exploded if not grounded, according to him. His body was burning and he was blinded. The sheer force of the bolt shooting through him caused his body to jerk into the air before slamming back down. Thousands of volts shot through him, I think one article said 180,000 volts, but I'm not exactly sure how they could verify that. I mean, maybe if that's the average of what a, a lightning bolt is. The pain was indescribable. He couldn't move. Every nerve ending felt burned. He was confused and had no idea what had happened because how could you even suspect something like that happening? It sounds crazy, like... It would be something super-duper made up for an action film. And soon, he was floating above it. He could see himself below, all tattered, all kinds of messed up. But the world looked different. It was almost more vibrant. Almost like it was vibrating. Nothing really seemed solid at all. Tom the man that Brinkley had just been speaking with on the phone lived nearby and came over immediately to see what had happened. Brinkley literally had to watch his body burn while his girlfriend tried to give him CPR. Both Tom and she waited for the paramedics, tried to do whatever they could until they got there. But Brinkley was already gone. During all of this, he was just floating and watching everything. He felt disconnected, but so happy and peaceful and calm. He watched them load his body into the ambulance and thought maybe he should go with them, considering this was all super brand new and interesting. Brinkley heard the paramedics say, he's gone, he's gone. Then a spiraling tunnel appeared over his left shoulder. He was pulled down the tunnel and towards a glowing light. 
Somehow he recognized this place and felt he knew it better than where he'd just come from. Our world. The best way he could describe what he was in that moment is that he was a radiant being. He could understand why people referred to these beings as angels because of the way they flowed in the air. He tried to focus on his hand, but he didn't see it. The more he focused on it, the more it began to appear, which told him that he had a level of control in all of this. As he looked at his hand, he noticed that it was shimmering. An overwhelming feeling of compassion and safety and love washed over him in this realm. During this time, he also went through what he calls a 360-degree panorama life review. You watch your life review from your perspective, then watch it from a second person's perspective, like a best friend or sibling, so you can see how someone that loved you viewed you, which it sounds really nice. Like, haven't you always wondered what someone else thinks about you? Well, not necessarily thinks about you, but how they feel about you, considering who they are as people. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. After you experience your life as that person, you become everyone, one mind. And you feel the direct results of your interactions between you and every person you've interacted with. Then you become everyone else and feel the direct results of your interactions between you and every person you've interacted with. At the end of it, a divine being will ask you a question. If God couldn't come today and God sent you into the life you just reviewed, what difference did you and God make? Take that as you will, but that's what he said the being asked him. To Brinkley, that showed that we as spirit chose to come here and that we are responsible. When it comes to your actions and what you do while you're on this planet, it's your intent that matters, not necessarily what you do, but why you do it. In the end, you're going to end up being every person. You're going to have to experience all the good, bad, and ugly. At the time of his NDE, Brinkley didn't have a lot of good things going for him. As I described before, he was a narcissistic, ignorant man, like total brute and just totally cruel. For that, he says that he had to take a ton of punishment for his action. During this experience, he was confronted by all the people he had victimized over the years. He felt everything they had gone through. And he knew he was responsible, and the universe is fair and just. Once that passed, this being took him to what he describes as a crystal city. Brinkley describes it as being similar to a mountainside at night that has houses all lit up and a slight fog setting in. That type of ethereal place. As he admired the architecture of this place, 12 other beings appeared. Each of these beings radiated a shimmer similar to his own. All 12 of these beings held a box holding different visions. A 13th being stood behind Brinkley, instructing each of them to bring forward their box in no particular order to show Brinkley what he knows now as the prophecies of Danian. He refers to these boxes as the boxes of knowledge, prophecy visions for him. For the past 45 years, he's watched as each of these events played out in the world. After he saw what was in all of the boxes, 
He then returned to his body. His body was laying in the morgue with a sheet over it. His family was there and his friend Tom. Obviously, they were all mourning. Brinkley saw how much these people loved him. And as soon as Tom touched his hand, Brinkley felt himself go back into his body. He took a breath, Tom saw the sheet move, and he ran and got the doctor. It took two years for Brinkley to learn how to walk again and how to feed himself after the incident. During that time, he didn't talk much about what he witnessed during his death. When he did tell his family, they didn't believe him. Now, because of the damage that resulted from being struck by lightning, Brinkley was forced to have open-heart surgery twice and brain surgery over the course of his life. In 1989, during his first open-heart surgery, he died for a second time and visited the afterlife once more. He writes about both of these incidences in his book, Saved by the Light. Interestingly, the publisher didn't want to include the prophecies because some of the things he was saying were too close to actually happening, such as when Iran acquired some Marines. After his most recent heart surgery, Brinkley suffered an aneurysm in his aortic valve. Doctors said he would only have 10 days to live due to all the damage done to his body. The damage and scar tissue was just so bad that no doctor was really going to be able to go back in there regardless. Five days after the surgery, he went into cardiac arrest and had to be resuscitated. It took about seven minutes for that to happen, and then he went into cardiac arrest again. This was his fourth NDE. Brinkley also had another NDE during his brain surgery. That was his third one. Each time, he's never once visited hell. For decades now, he's counseled thousands of terminally ill patients about death, specifically veterans to assure them that there's nothing to fear about what is to come. This led him to creating the Twilight Brigade that works with veterans to try and ensure no military veterans die alone. Brinkley is quoted as saying, And what people have to really understand now is they're scared to death of something that will never happen. Because we don't die. I'm sure our physical bodies do die, but we don't. Who you are, you don't die. He said the act of grieving people just slows you down. Instead, celebrate the life that someone led, because where they are now is where they're supposed to be. There's a lot of people out there that would say that Danian is just making this up, that these things didn't happen. It was just the brain playing tricks. And I totally understand where those people are coming from. It sounds kind of crazy, a little far-fetched. But looking throughout history, there have been numerous reports of otherworldly experiences very similar to his. I find it hard to believe that so many people would be in on the same lie. Fact is, we're all on our own journey. We're going to know what we need to know when we need to know it. The fact is also, everyone dies one day. It's the one thing that no one can escape. I think the best thing that any of us can do is to just approach these types of stories with a completely open mind. Because we're all going to find out the truth one day. So, what are your thoughts on NDEs? Have you experienced one yourself? If you're willing to share your story, please email me at theveilandbeyondstories at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure to subscribe for the latest episodes and to follow The Veil and Beyond Twitter for updates and more. And remember to live your life to the fullest. Until next time, 